Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Tuesday, the 15th of February. Today, I'm joined by Alina Kazmi, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi there, Alina. How are you today? I'm good. How about yourself, Peter? Very well, thank you. Um, all good here. Um, so, uh, what did you? What story did you find uh, most interesting today's Watson's Daily? Oh, that's a good question. I think my favourite story today... It's the, only, it's the only question I ever ask. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing I ever ask anyone, ever. I know, all. but there's so it many. Might... <laughs> anyway, sorry, no, go on. Yeah, there's too many good stories to talk about. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my favourite story for today was yeah. that global markets are seeing disruption as yep. Russian and Ukraine tensions are now hitting share prices. Yep. Now, this is interesting because it's still unclear whether there would be a war or if it's just Putin's way of preventing Ukraine to be part of NATO. Mm-hmm. And talking about today's Watson Daily, I was a little bit confused about um, when you said how global markets start with Asia Pacific and then Europe and then US. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so all that is, is that um, it's a case that you know, everything goes in a, in a cycle on a daily basis. So if you have, um, um, so Asia works because of the, it's just it's just purely because of the time difference, uh, you know, the time differences around the world and when markets open. So, for instance, yesterday there was all this, you know, there was the impact of um, lots of governments and things asking their citizens and diplomats and things to get out of um, Ukraine. So that was washing through the markets and affecting sentiment and all that kind of stuff. So as that washed through the day, you then get Asia Pacific overnight. Then, you know, that that's not looking, you know, that's not looking great because they'll, they'll be weaker. Um, and then it then um, follows. So actually, you know, we're talking about, not last night, the night before, aren't we? So good. But anyway, um, then it then it goes. So then, when they when they stop, then it the European markets then start to open up. So there there's negative sentiment going throughout the day there, and then America sort of opens up at around lunchtime, uh, and then the sentiment carries on there. So it's almost like it's like a relay race. Think of it like a relay race, <laughs> like yeah, handing over the baton. You know, Asia hands it over to Europe. Europe hands it over to uh, the US and then it just keeps going on in a cycle. <laughs> so that's that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Um, uh, and they never drop the baton. They <laughs> never drop the baton. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I think it's interesting because Russia wants Ukraine for more power. So it's already annexed Crimea, which mm-hmm. contains strategic ports um, to the Black Sea, which may help me russia an even greater commodities provider mm-hmm. and we can already see the impact of war and the rising energy prices as i think russia accounts for a third of europe's natural gas and yep. yeah and 10 percent of the world's oil reserves so mm-hmm. those are the key drivers for why there was a disruption on the global markets mm-hmm. this linked very nicely with um how you mentioned in today's watson sadie about how petrol prices are already accelerating and they're hitting new yeah. records by the day. Yeah, yeah. And it is because of the potential Russians' invasion of Ukraine. 
Mm-hmm. So I think I still think it's unclear whether this invasion would happen. Although mm-hmm. airlines, um, like you mentioned in yesterday, Watson Daily, like Sky Up and um, the Dutchess airline are already cancelling sale of flights. Mm-hmm. And UK and US are withdrawing families from Ukraine's embassy. Yeah. And uh, and you previously mentioned that Europe is also preparing for additional asylum seekers. Yeah. So it looks like we're preparing for an invasion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, I, I find I find it quite, I mean, genuinely distressing. Like when you see news pictures of, you know, soldiers that are all sort of armed to the teeth, teaching old grannies how to fire an AK-47 and, <laughs> and you know, and, uh, you know, younger, like there was a, I think on the, uh, you know, cover of one of yesterday's papers, it was a soldier showing a young, you know, a woman in her twenties how to how to shoot a rifle and stuff. And I mean, you know, I think things like that it just really brings home to you that how would you feel if if that happened here, you know, and that pe- that you know the, the the army knocked on your you know people some from the army knocked on your door and said, look, um, we might get invaded, so look, here's how to fire a weapon. I mean, that is serious stuff. Um, so, I mean, I think by virtue of where they are and the and what their how their neighbours are, um, <laughs> I would have thought that you are you probably already have that at the back of your mind generally. Um, but but to actually have that and to, for us to see those kinds of images, I I, I put particular find them particularly shocking really and yeah and so i mean i i think that this is this is interesting and you know i just saw that it it looks like um russia is um is withdrawing ten thousand troops out of a total of that is thought of being a hundred and thirty thousand. (laughs) so it's not it's not much um but i think it's enough for i mean and this is going to sound cynical but it's enough for propaganda purposes Right. Mm -hmm. So they can say so if now um, NATO troops, if NATO sends more troops to the front, um, Russia can turn to, you know, so Putin can turn to um, his citizens and say, hey, look, we've shown good willing in all these um, in these negotiations um, because we've sent 10,000 of our troops away. But the NATO, they've increased the number. So, you know, we, we are justified in going into um, Ukraine. So it's all, you know, all these things, they're all kind of diplomatic moves yeah. and negotiating moves to try to come to some kind of outcome. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I still think that what is ultimately going to happen is Nord Stream 2 is going to open um, and maybe Ukraine might be delayed entering nato for a few years or, or there might be something going because um i don't i just don't know how much he is going to benefit from it but still um so yeah, how many troops did he say returned Ten thousand <laughs> out of it's not returned no, they've withdrawn so yeah. you know does that mean what they've just gone 10 miles down the road or something <laughs> i don't know um but um but yeah so it's it's it is so difficult to tell and i think that there's there's going to be a bit of kind of um psychology going on on both sides you know that uh, it, I, I you know i've heard sort of on the one hand um it's not russian soldiers like literally with their nose touching the fences of the you know of the border 
Um, it's they're they're actually a bit you know further back. But then, where are the NATO forces in relate? I I just don't know. Yeah. And I think that we you know we just obviously we just told what we're told. Um, but um, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a scary situation for sure. Yeah, I'd assume that that would affect the market shares now. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of commentary recently that's been saying that the markets aren't really reflecting the full. They don't. If you look at the way the markets are behaving, there is they are pricing in some risk, but they're not really pricing in the full risk. Um, so, um, so that's you know that is something to you know that I think ultimately the markets don't believe this is going to go to war. Um, if it does then that means that the markets are going to get extremely volatile. Um, but uh, at the, as things stand at the moment, it doesn't look like they believe it's really going to happen. Yeah, and I also think because NATO has already been weakened by years of disarming and um, with Biden trying to, um, with Russia and Ukraine and China and Taiwan, I don't mm. think he would want to deal with both of those invasions at the same time. No, no. And, it doesn't help that Russia has control over gas supplies. So it would drastically impact the energy prices and it would increase energy prices again. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, I, I think that, I mean, it really helps Putin's negotiation hand um, because he he can just say, well, OK, then we won't. I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to be great for Russia to not be able to pipe this stuff through. But on the other hand, they still supply, you know, 10% of the world's oil <laughs> and we're at historic highs. And so actually, in a way, they're pumping up their own oil price because they are, you know, the, the threat of war always um, ends up pushing up oil prices because, um, you know, there's always concerns that a war will disrupt um, normal supply chains um within the oil um you know within the oil industry um uh, and in this case they've got they kind of doing you know that because of their threat the price of oil is going up yeah. and they happen to also provide 10 percent of the world's oil so <laughs> they, i mean they're just he's an absolute winner um on whichever way you look at it really so um so yeah i mean it's 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 a tricky problem, and obviously, it's the main problems are going to be, you know, Ukraine itself. Um, but in terms of the impact elsewhere and economic impact, it will have an impact elsewhere, if nothing else, by making bills and things just even more, even more expensive than they they already are. I guess it's a power versus power thing on who has more power, but I think the impact it has on mm. companies such as BP has Russian oper- operations. Mm-hmm. So it would mm. impact um, European companies such as BP and Shell. And so many other companies rely on Russia, such as airlines, they rely on um, Russia's mm. titanium, such mm. as Airbus and Boeing, they heavily rely on it. So it mm. would impact the av- aviation sector even further. Mm. So it's really sad how like it impacts the wider economy and companies mm. are suffering as a result. Yeah. And I mean, actually, you know, as as I um, often say to people who think, oh, this stuff is boring and, you know, this doesn't have an impact, doesn't matter to me. It does. You know, it does. All this stuff, it's all real life and it all really has an impact. And, you know, so not only on where it is, 
geographically, but it has repercussions around the world. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Once again, I think lawyers will leverage this opportunity because, of course, yeah, they need to help with complying with these economic sanctions in case companies breach them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's a field; they'll have a field day. <laughs> yeah. um, so, what so, did you find most interesting? Um, so, actually, you touched on it earlier, but this whole um, petrol price thing. So, oil prices going up. Um, petrol price over the weekend reached a new high of one hundred and forty-eight point zero two pence per liter, which is a huge really i mean that is a ridiculous price and diesel is 151.57 pence it is ridiculous right so this means the average 55 litre family car will cost uh, 81 pounds 41 to fill um and yeah that is uh that is a lot of money um and i think that um it's also there was also in in one of the articles that I used today from the Telegraph. It did a very useful, and I know this. I see this. It's good thing to remember this, right? Because um, you see this often, um, but it's difficult to find when you need it. <laughs> so if you are talking about something, you think, "Ah, oh, I've forgotten," and it's difficult to find. So anyway, fifty-six percent of what you so in a litre. Fifty percent of the price you pay is tax. Oh wow! (laughs) No, thirty-two percent is um, petrol, the actual petrol itself. Six percent is biofuels, so I think that's the stuff that's kind of mixed up in it. Um, Retail margins five percent, so they don't make much money at all, right? Mm -hmm. And delivery costs one percent. So it's yeah, it's a huge tax earner, and um, there are obviously there are you know consumer groups and pressure groups and things and saying oh you know you need to cut fuel duty but are they going to cut fuel duty i think they're not because it's a good money earner they've got to earn money somehow um and the other thing is is that they haven't actually increased duty on petrol since 2011 so it's hardly as if you know they the, the campaigners can say oh it's been going up and up and up it hasn't. It's stayed the same since 2011. So I think that this is going to be a very difficult one for them to, um, you know, successfully bring pressure to bear. But uh, but anyway, so this what this does um, is this means that every there's more there's even more um, pressure on the on, on household finances um, because that will obviously that will make your commuting expenses or you know like your your overall ho- household expenditure is going to go up because of, of, of um, fuel the fuel the uh, higher fuel prices but also it's going to have indirect impact on you because if you've got haulage companies taking products to supermarkets and shops and all that their price their um, costs are going to go up they pass the costs on to the supermarkets. The supermarkets pass the costs on to you. So everyone, you're still going to be paying more, yeah, I... even if you don't drive. <laughs> right. So all those kinds of things. And then not only that, um, we've heard that there was a, so there was an Office for National Statistics survey showing that um, 20% of workers said that working from home actually cost them more than commuting. Um, but at the moment, uh, that might well very soon that might change because um, Sadiq Khan in in London has um, announced <laughs> that underground prices um, are going to rise uh, by four point eight percent and bus fares by six point five percent. 
And the tube the tube fare rise is the biggest since 2010, and the bus fare rise is the biggest since 20, uh, 2009. So it is, you know, again, <laughs> just more more um, a pressure on on household budgets. Um, and this again, this again feeds into me thinking, well, you know, is is the optimism by say the travel industry is that misplaced? Um, you know, because these kinds of big ticket item, discretionary spending things um, are going to become increasingly focused upon as do we actually need this? And I think that there's going to be a bit of a shock in the second half. But I don't know. What, what do you think? I know I'm, I'm trying to. Can you put a positive spin on any of this? at all, <laughs> Or do you have any do you have any thoughts on this? I think. Like you said, so working from home is expensive and commuting is expensive. So I think you just have to choose expensive now. Mm. (laughs) Inflation making everything expensive. I Mm. think until interest rates are increasing to control inflation level, I think Mm. we'll see this um, prices just rising constantly. Mm. And Mm. I really thought that transport for London was already super expensive. (laughs) Mm, yeah absolutely but the thing is though uh, it was inevitable really because um they had to put the prices up i th- i think as a part of the negotiation because of course they almost went you know they almost went bust didn't they yeah. under under the um under lockdown yeah. and as part of that there's been pressure on sadiq khan to increase fares anyway for quite some time and he's been able to sort of bat it away but obviously you know under under coronavirus he had to um, you know, he he got a bailout, and I think that some parts of the condition of the bailout was you got to increase fares. Um, so you know, it was bound it's bound to happen. But it is, I mean, I always think it is really expensive in London. I mean, in a way, you just get used to it. I mean, I found yeah. like when I I so okay, I'll get a travel card, and then just make sure I travel rounds on that. And I don't know, it's like a sunk cost. It doesn't feel because you're not paying it every single time, yeah. you, you kind of forget about it. But actually, it is a lot of money. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I found a few years ago when I was travelling into London, for instance, from Guildford, my season ticket, annual season ticket was about 4,006 or 700, I think, which is a lot of money. <laughs> um, but... Um, but yes, obviously that's going to go up a lot as well because um, fares outside London are going to go up as well. So that's that's it's something else to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that would really push for um, an even more demand for an agile working system because mm. I think people want to balance working from home and commuting because mm. you don't. And the commuting experience isn't the best. Like, you don't want to be stuck in a tube with, like, so many other people. Yeah. So I think it would really, like, increase the demand for a flexible working system, even more mm. than lockdown and remote working has already pushed for an agile working system. Mm. Mm. Fair enough. Yes, we, we, we'll, we'll see, won't we? But um, for now, things are looking a bit tricky. So anyway, on that, on that... Um, unfortunately, non-positive notes. Um, we'll leave it <laughs> there. But, make it um, yeah, we're going to try. Let's try and think about some happy news tomorrow. Uh, it's my birthday tomorrow. Maybe that's happy. Oh. Know, but, uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, no, no. I've, I've, I mean, I'm at an age now where I, I try to forget it. To be honest, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you very much indeed for your time. 
Um, and um, thank you very much for listeners for listening. Um, we will be back again tomorrow, um, hopefully with some more upbeat news. Because, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to be a downer all the time. I don't want to be a downer. Anyway. But you're not an um, <laughs> No, indeed. Anyway, um, thanks very much. Thank you very everyone for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Many thanks. Bye. <laughs>